is with the spirit of gratitude that we have transformation, not only of our sanctuary and for those who worked hard this past week to help decorate our tree and to reorient our decorations so that it could be as accessible as possible to all. Let us prepare ourselves to thank God for his many gifts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. God, we are grateful. Even in the midst of a difficult season, we are grateful for how you have provided for us. You've given us family, friends, connection, so that we can resist the temptation to be isolated one from another. God, for the ability to see beyond ourselves, to, to have hope for a new reality that is colored by Christ Jesus, we give you thanks. This morning, God, we pray for hope. Hope for those who are hurting, that their pain might go away, that those who are ill might feel warmth and health. God, we pray a prayer of hope for those who are frightened, for those who at the deepest part of themselves are, are anxious and uncertain. We pray, God, that they might be able to know that you are our rock and our foundation and that we do not have to be afraid. We pray a prayer of hope for those who feel lost and alone. We pray, God, for those who are watching and participating in our service remotely, that they might feel tethered to us through love and through creative forms of, of communication. For, God, you made yourself real to us in dynamic and, and surprising ways. And God, we pray a prayer of hope for ourselves, for our families, and for our friends. We pray, God, that you might protect us from illness and from threat, that you might protect us from the temptation to hate others who disagree with us, who may have voted differently than we did, to, to not be tempted to hate those who who look differently than we do, or even act differently than we do. We pray, God, that you might protect us from the shadow of sadness and despair, that we might be reminded of the power of your light in Christ Jesus and how it does scatter the darkness. So yes, God, we pray for the hope of a vaccine for our bodies, but also, God, we pray a prayer of hope for vaccines that might inoculate us against hate. So Christ Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we pray for transformation at the deepest places of our heart and soul, that we, like this space here, might be transformed, that we might look different in how we act and in what we do and what we say so that others might know that we are ambassadors for your light because it shines brightly a new reality and that there is light on the horizon. Hear our prayer of hope this morning, Father, for it's in Jesus' name we pray.
scripture reading this morning is from the end of the Christmas story. Why would we begin Advent, the telling of one of the greatest stories ever at the end? It's because it's frequently overlooked. It ends up in the dustpan of our tidying up after Christmas. And yet, we meet an individual we learn more about than, than perhaps any other of the characters in the nativity story itself. Let's listen carefully to what happens after Jesus is born and then presented at the temple, as was the Jewish tradition, and about the encounter that we learn about from Luke about an individual named Simeon. We're in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took Jesus in his arms, praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Simeon doesn't make headlines in the Christmas story. Your children never played the role of Simeon in their Christmas pageants. There's no blow-up lawn ornaments of Simeon on your front lawns. And I'll bet you my remaining birthday cake that Simeon's not on your Christmas tree, nor is he at your nativity scene. There are no Christmas songs about Simeon. And that's a shame. It's a shame because Simeon is someone who teaches us about hope. Right out of the gate, we learn that Simeon is righteous and devout. Y'all, that's code language for faithful, righteous, devout. Giving his full attention to God's word and being obedient to God's command that as God's people, he is he's set apart from the rest of the world. A couple of other clues of what hope looks like, how it's embodied in the person of Simeon. The scripture tells us that Simeon trusted God's promise that it had been revealed to him. That he would not see death until he saw God's salvation incarnate, literally living. Additionally, we learn that Simeon is guided by the Holy Spirit. And Simeon was aware of God's presence in his world and in his life, and he was guided not by his own self-interest, but by God's. Also by his proximity to God's presence in the temple there in Jerusalem. He was tethered to that place, that liminal place, that thin place where the veil between this world and the next was very thin. Additionally, we see in Simeon that he praised God for the salvation that he knew and trusted would come. We know, of course, that salvation means being saved. Saved from what? Saved from darkness. Saved from the reality and corruption that comes and accompanies with sin that we know is our reality in this world. So it's to be saved from shadow and darkness, saved from the, the reality and the, the trials and tribulations that we bring upon ourselves. So he praised God that God was going to intervene in this world, that God would not surrender his people to the tragedies and sorrows that are this world's truth. And in doing so, in acknowledging God's salvation that was to come, he gave testimony to what God was doing in the here and now. 
So y'all, if you want to see what hope looks like among someone who is faithful, look no further than Simeon. The Bible tells us that Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. What a curious word, consolation. What does that mean? It means that Israel, God's people, they were eager for comfort. That is, they were eager to be saved. And why? Because for decades, centuries, generations, God's people lived in shadow, in an oppressive reality that would make our trials and tribulations look like small things. There are two other usages in the Gospels when it comes to the word consolation. It's helpful because it helps me put, um, put language to this sense that God wishes to bring comfort to his people. The first is from Luke chapter 6. Jesus is talking about the rich and the comfortable in the world. And he has a woe for them. That is, he has a warning to them. He says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. You have received your comfort. Hmm. Later on, Jesus is talking about what it looks like for the good news of Jesus to be embodied in a parable. And there's a, a reminder embedded in this parable where Abraham says, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, your comfort. And Lazarus in like manner of evil things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Consolation here means real comfort. It means reprieve. It refers to a hope that God would keep his promise and that God would rescue his people, not only from their enemies, but from their reality. How is this salvation, this comfort, going to come to God's people? Through the work of a Messiah. Literally, God's presence incarnate in love to us. That's the story we tell. That's the story that we will see being built here in our manger scene. It's embodied here in the lighting of candles that increasingly give us light. It's present here in the Christmas, literally Christ's monogram. His symbols embodied here on this tree that is centered not only in the shot that you are seeing remotely on your devices, but also here for us. The communion table down below calls us to remember Christ's presence. And now Christ's presence is light, it's love, and it's hope. Jesus is our comfort. Jesus is our consolation. Jesus is our refuge and our strength. Simeon can't keep it all in. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, God. 
for which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Simeon not only sees God's salvation in Jesus, not only does he recognize the inbreaking of God's presence in the world, but he also gets to hold Jesus. Think of the other references that other people get to hold the Christ child. Yes, we imagine Mary. But it's Simeon here who, in holding the Christ child, sees God. Now, for parents and grandparents, this is not a, a tall order. <laughs> How many of us, when we felt first held our children, saw God's face? Saw God's light and love and tenderness. Simeon, in his faithfulness, saw what God was doing in Christ Jesus and was privileged with the gift holding him. What's more, God's salvation, he proclaims, is not just for him or the Holy Family or for those who had historically been called God's people. No. God's salvation is for any and for all. God's love and saving power is not limited. Now the Bible talks about this as being good news, but in our less good moments, we begrudgingly acknowledge that we are the elder son or daughter in the story of the prodigal son, and we don't like it that God extends hope, mercy, love to any and to all especially those that don't look like us, don't think like us, that don't act like us. We may call our neighbor, but on the other side of the tracks, our enemies. But we don't like it that God would extend light even unto others. Now, this is an arresting moment for us as we participate in the life of, of God's inbreaking light in our it reorients us. It transforms us. It decks the halls of our, of, of our hearts and our souls. Christ is the light that we're able to see by when things are bleak and look dark. Russell Moore wrote several years ago about his encounter with a young man who didn't like Christmas season. It wasn't that it was a stressful season or it was hard or difficult. It didn't trigger grief from the past. No, the reason he didn't like Christmas was because of the music. I know, please don't throw hymnals at me and don't write terrible, mean comments on our Facebook wall. Let me explain. He didn't like the Christmas music because he said it didn't have any narrative tension. That is, the Christmas music that he was familiar with was far rosier than the world that he saw. There wasn't any tension in the lyrics that, that acknowledged truthfully the hardship and the difficulties, not only that God's people went through before the arrival of Christ, that they yearned for and hoped for, but also in his current world, 
the world that he saw online or on the news or when he drove to work or in his conversations with his co-workers. No, he didn't, he didn't see or hear honesty or tension within the lyrics. It was all holly jolly. There was very little real world in the midst of the unfettered joy. Narrative tension? <laughs> if you look around right now, you'll see that we have it in spades. Tension. All we have is tension. And we're exhausted by it. We're exhausted by it. And, and fatigue is the word that's written on our tongues and in our minds. We long for comfort, don't we? We hold out hope that Jesus will in fact be our refuge and strength. The truth is, y'all, that we, we cannot appreciate the hope that we have in Jesus without being honest about our current reality. The good news is that what we see now, what you feel at this very moment is not our forever. And when we find ourselves walking on a path of darkness and even death, we acknowledge that it's hard to see beyond our pain. But even though we find ourselves walking in shadow, and even though it is hard to hear the words of the prophet, or even the words of our friends, or even of this church when they remind us that it's not always going to feel like this, that because of Christ Jesus, we do have light, even though we don't want to hear that because we're in a hard and difficult place, it doesn't make it untrue. The good news is that this is not our forever, and that God is working for good in the darkness because he loves us. Speaking of darkness, John McCain once told about a terrible season that he had to endure. A season of great darkness and sorrow where there was no sense or sign of light. In 2008, during his presidential Race. He, he shared a personal journey of faith. This is what he wrote. He said, When I was a prisoner of war in Vietnam, my captors would tie my arms behind my back and then loop the rope around my neck and ankles so that my head was pulled down between my knees. I was often left like that throughout the night. One night, a guard came into my cell, put his finger to his lips, signaling for me to be quiet, and then loosened my ropes to relieve my pain. The next morning, when his shift ended, the guard returned and retightened the ropes, never saying a word to me. A month or so later, on Christmas Day, I was standing in the dirt courtyard when I saw that same guard approach me. He walked up and stood silently next to me, not looking or smiling at me. Then he used his sandaled foot to draw a 
cross in the dirt. We stood wordlessly looking at the cross, remembering the true light of Christmas, even in the darkness of a Vietnamese prison camp. Christ sure does show up in the unlikeliest of places and circumstances, doesn't he? Aren't you glad? This morning, we draw a cross in the dirt to one another to remind us that Christ's light shines in the darkness and that his light looks a lot like love. That is our hope. He is our refuge and strength in darkness, in the shadow, now and forevermore. Let us pray. God, we find ourselves in any number of prisons right now, and we crave liberation we can truly embody the joy that you wish for us to taste and to sing about, to delight in. God, the narrative tension that we are experiencing is more than we can bear, and we pray for reprieve, the strength to endure it. So give us the strength and the ability, God, to come up alongside one another and to draw a cross in the dirt so that we can know that Christ's light does shine. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com.